You know, Jesus warned us that in the end times, deception like a virus will spread like wildfire. Disguised as the answer to all our problems, our secular culture can only offer replacements to the truth. The good news is that the truth of the Bible is the cure. In Pastor Jack Hibbs' new book called Living in the Days of Deception, he reveals the antidote to the lies we're told that have become increasingly harder to detect. From the inspiring foreword written by Mike Pompeo to the final chapters, Pastor Jack exposes how to combat deceptive spirits and equips us when we're deceived by the ultimate liar, Satan himself. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is a powerful must-read, and when you order, you can bundle by getting the DVDs and a downloadable link for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com radio. That's jackhibbs.com radio. Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. Hey everybody, we're going to be looking at moments uh, in American history where God intervenes in our country's dilemmas and plights and situations. And you're going to hear something about the Apollo space program. You're going to hear something about September 11th. And you're going to hear something about July 7th, 2005. Why does it matter? And why does your worldview matter? Stay tuned. You can get the outlines of this podcast by going to jackhibbs.com slash podcast. Today, if this podcast lifts you up and encourages you to live a more fulfilled life in Christ, then make sure you leave us one of those five-star ratings. To us, that's like saying amen or yes. Then that rating will encourage others to listen. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Here is Jack Hibbs. Hey everybody, we're talking to you about um, times of faith, times of God intervening, and um, times of uh, the test of what is reality. And when I say that, um, what I mean by that is what's going on in life uh, happens. It is reality. And the second thing is, how is it observed is how we determine or we establish having a worldview. Every single one of us have a world view. And I'm going to give you some examples right now as to why uh, a worldview is important and why a, a worldview uh, can be determined to be valid. Because not all worldviews are valid, though everyone has a worldview. Just because you have a worldview doesn't make it right. For example, we're talking about moments in American history when God intervened. And boy, this is something that as an old guy, I remember. I, I remember this uh, because I lived it in real time. I got to experience this. And some of you viewers um, are going to remember this. On April 11th, uh, 1970, I believe it was, was the launch date of Apollo 13. And uh, everything seemed perfectly normal. We now, Americans, the U.S. space program, NASA, we had become quite proficient at catapulting these guys in tin cans out into space. And a, uh, a man in the future in my life uh, who would become my father-in-law was a very, very uh, gifted uh, aeronautical engineer working for NASA and was already very well 
involved in the U.S. space program, Lisa's dad, uh, his his team, when, uh, and I forget the date, you can look it up later, when there was a practice run with the three of the Apollo astronauts in Florida, uh, when there was an oxygen leak and that um, the Apollo module blew up in flames and they burned to death inside they couldn't get out. The door would not open. And so Lisa's dad's team uh, were commissioned to create from that moment forward a fail-safe door or, or a blow-away hatch, uh, part of the Apollo space program. So that's pretty cool, but it doesn't end there. On April 15th, just four days later, on April 15th, 1970, I was 12 years old at the time. I was in school. And we were called, the entire school was called to the multi-purpose room. Do you remember that title? <laughs> multi-purpose room. The whole school was gathered together. And um, why? It was because uh, the president uh, of the United States uh, announced that our astronauts were in great peril, that they, were, they being in space, um, they'd had a oxygen tank explode on the Apollo 13 uh, command module. And um, in fact, you've probably seen, if not, watch it. It's very well done and very accurate. Uh, the Apollo 13 movie. I think Tom Hanks uh, cranked that one out. Pretty awesome stuff. But uh, the fact is this, that Richard Nixon called the nation to prayer and the nation prayed. We prayed in public school. Uh, we saw on black and white TV screens in the multi-purpose room the, the whole drama play out. And by the way, it happened in some respects for, for several days because um, the, there, there was the initial uh, announcement, Houston, we have a problem. Uh, and then the drama played out of the engineers, which is very cool, by the way. Those astronauts, you know, they're all scientists. They're up there trying to figure out how do we fix this problem uh, with something that blew out outside the craft? How do how do we how do we get back home? Because we're not going home. We're going to die. Uh, the the temperature inside the module. The guys were working in a con in conditions that were sub freezing temperatures. They were now freezing to death. And the carbon uh, dioxide is increasing. They're having a hard time breathing. They're working at it. Check this out. In Houston and in Los Angeles, and I would assume uh, in Florida, NASA had engineers working on tables with the exact same parts that the astronauts had in the command module to try to figure out a way how to, how to get this fixed. And they were... I mean, I don't mean this literally, but it, you should see this. They were basically working with junk. They were using stuff. If we plug this thing and maybe we could make this piece of plastic from this thing, plug into this hose, we'll have it come back around and maybe it will cause a spark and restart the battery without blowing ourselves up. All this kind of if, 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 if stuff. Now, remember, not only is America praying, public schools are praying, churches are praying, but listen, the Pope ordered Catholics to pray. Uh, the the uh, chief rabbi of Jerusalem orders Jews to go to the Wailing Wall and pray. The world is watching. 
and uh, it's reported uh, that the world is praying because America, you know, what's cool about America, at least it used to be true. We did everything publicly. When the Russians did something, you never knew about it till it was over. When Americans, we do it from this, we, we, we used to, we used to share the experience and the experiment with the world in real time. And people love that. Um, we, you know, it's just great. Anyway, the whole world went through that drama with us. And as the nation prayed, can you imagine all the atheists like having uh, bowel issues, you know, like freaking out, stomach problems, pray, everybody's praying. How could they do that? How could they do that? Have you noticed, by the way, you guys, when something bad happens, atheists have nothing to offer. Hello. Atheists have zero to give you. Why? Because they believe in zero. So when... When life gets smacked with reality, your worldview's challenged in an instant. Where are you going to go? So atheists, what do they do? Um, I actually know what they do, by and large. We kind of have this uh, qualified and, and uh, observable. Fast forward. America has known in its history to be a nation of prayer when times get tough. And... On September 11th, 2001, another event that I watched happen. Um, by the way, three months before the towers came down, Lisa and I stood atop the observation deck of one of the World Trade Center towers. It got an amazing video, which is really freaky because when you're way up there, um, it was it's so quiet. You look down on New York, it's total silent. And what's really weird is that you're on top of this building looking down and you see helicopters. You know, they use helicopters in New York like taxis, for real. And there's helicopters flying below you. You can't even hear them. It's awesome. Uh, but on September 11, 2001, you know the story, right? Uh, Islam, Muslims um, attacked. And it had to be on September 11th, by the way, side note. The reason why Osama bin Laden determined that the World Trade Centers, the Pentagon, the United States would be destroyed, the president would be beheaded, that's right, that's right, the president was to be beheaded on that day. Bin Laden ordered it to be on 9-11. If it didn't happen on 9-11, they would wait one more year for, for the 9-11. You, you want to know why? Because in Islam, you have to, if you're shamed in Islam, you have to take back the shame. You have to fix it. And throughout Islamic history, uh, that's what they do. By the way, if you're in the FBI, law enforcement, Joint Terrorist Task Force, CIA, National Security, uh, NSA, National Security Agency, um, you know that dates are big deals to Islam and knowingly or unknowingly, broadcast or not, we go on special preparedness, special alert in our military and law enforcement on particular dates. Well, 9-11, we were caught sleeping. And I get it. But in 1683, I think, I might be off a year or, th or two. 1683 or 1685. I'm going to go with September 11, 1683. Uh, the Muslims invaded the gates of Vienna. Islam. Hello, wake up call. What the heck are Muslim warriors doing invading Europe in Vienna, Austria? 
It's called jihad. It's called global dominance. By the way, it's still a doctrine of Islam today. They're not done. They're not going to be done. They've got a plan. So on, six, on, on September 11, 1683, the Islamic forces attack the gates of Vienna, but the king of Christian Poland had communicated to all the other kings that as the Muslims are continuing to invade Europe, if we don't stop them, our children... Our children will be enslaved, our wives will be impregnated, and we will be dead. There will be no Christian Europe. And so he invited them to meet him to take on the Muslims. And it was September 11th, 1683, that Islam was defeated in Europe. That's why Osama bin Laden, in his own devotional writings for that day, that was discovered in the investigation by the FBI in their apartments in Boston and in Florida, Osama bin Laden's own devotion for those terrorists uh, on why they were doing what they were doing in the name of Muhammad and, and in the crusade of jihad. And um, by the way, the Israeli Mossad had been warning us and telling us, you guys, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Uh, and that's an absolute fact that we weren't listening to because we're America. How can we ever be surprised by an invader, uh, Pearl Harbor? Um, anyway, so um, while that invasion takes place, or I should say on the day of that attack, I remember we were a young church, little, uh, we were just a, well, I guess, you know, 2011, we were a pretty good sized church. But automatically, it was a Tuesday. I don't even have to remember that. I just, it was a Tuesday. Everybody showed up at church. People left their jobs or people got off of work. And I went straight to the church office on a Tuesday, opened up the doors, and people began to pack in and pray. Guess what happened? People began to fill up Yankee Stadium. People began to pray in churches all around America. People went to prayer. People were talking about praying on TV. People were praying. There's pictures of people just praying, okay? And why? Because our biblical worldview is one that is based upon there's a God in heaven who listens. And so when there's a time of crisis, we go to prayer as a people. Atheism has nothing to offer because they have nobody to go to. But I find it interesting that when atheism is really, really slapped with reality, how many atheists wind up at least acting like believers, for at least a moment anyway. So Americans go to pray. It's in our DNA. And this next and final thing I'll say in, in wrapping this up with this uh, example is London had their 9-11 experience on July 7th, 2005. It's known as the London bombings. And it was their 9-11 event. It was terrible. Who did that? Muslims, uh, Islamists, uh, jihadis. Now, look, I'm not saying that not all uh, Muslims are terrorists, okay? Not all Muslims are jihadists. But all jihadists are Muslims, Simple fact, the collision of two worldviews, for sure. And a friend of mine from London, we were talking on the phone, and he said, 
I am just, I'm just sick to my stomach. And this phone call now is in, it's in, it's happening, uh, I believe on, like, by now it's like July 8th or 9th, 2005. And he's telling me, he said, you know what? He said, I'm so disgusted with my country. He said, because we watched you guys when you were attacked go to prayer. If people meant it or not, they bowed their heads. They filled up churches and synagogues, and they went to prayer. People got, people got involved by getting on their knees. And he said, do you know what my country, do you know what, do you know what happened when we were bombed the other day? He said, there were lines of people in every pub in England. People were trying to get to the pubs to get drunk. And he said, you guys pray, we get drunk. He said, were our churches full? He said, our church's doors weren't even opened. And he said, when a crisis hits England, we go to the pub. When a crisis hits America, you guys go to prayer. And, you know, I want to I wrap this up by challenging you this way. There is something in psychology known as learned response behavior. Learned response behavior. Learned response behavior is when you're growing up as a child, you are being exposed to a worldview, period. That worldview may be one of such where you watch mom and dad pray over their meals, for example, at breakfast or dinner. Or you go to church. Or you go to synagogue. Or you... You, pre you, you participate in Shabbat every Friday. Whatever it might be. You have a tradition and you have a worldview. And you grow up. If you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. It's still putting, a, it's putting something on you. You still know. You can grow up in a Christian home and not be a Christian, but you're going to grow up with values. Guaranteed. You may not be a Christian, but you have values, whatever they might be. Same is true in atheism. You communicate your worldview, and your kids will pick up on that. And so what happens is this, is that reality tests our worldview, and our worldview is exposed in a time of crisis. Learned response behavior is, now that I'm 14 or 24, and a crisis hits my life, what do I do? Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I was taught to do. Now, the human is not thinking this thought. It's a, it's a learned response behavior to a crisis. What was learned becomes your response. What's your response? Grab a bottle of Jim Beam or Jack Daniels, reach for some cocaine, somehow drug yourself, escape reality. It's too painful. Where'd you get that from? Learned response behavior. By the way, if you think I'm making this up, isn't it bizarre that people are told that you may not drink, but your dad was an alcoholic. So you are predisposed to the alcohol gene. They use it on a genetic level. That is not scientific. It's never been proven. 
It's like there's no gay gene. Did you know that? Oh, I was born gay. It's impossible. Ask Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton commissioned the U.S. Army laboratories to do study on the gay gene. And a year later, the U.S. Laboratory, U.S. Army laboratories did their findings and released their findings. And they said there's no gay gene. Why? What happens? Learn response behavior. And so if you're taught through life that when life gets tough, go to your knees and pray. That's your learned response behavior. If you're taught to take to the streets and riot, <laughs> for crying out loud, if the Lakers win the world championship, learned response behavior, burn down police cars. If, if the Chicago Cubs win the World Series, what do you do? Burn down half the city. Learn response behavior. Or give God thanks. Right now, our nation's going through that right now. By the way, humanity's always gone through that, and we'll continue to go through that. But what type of world respo uh, 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 learned response behavior are you communicating? When something happens... Do you guys go to God's Bible and hang on to it? Do you say things like, listen, son, listen, daughter, listen, mom, listen, dad, listen, family. We're going to pray. We don't know what's going on, but God does. We're going to hang on. We're going we're gonna to strengthen ourselves, not fall apart as a family. Your worldview will determine your learned response behavior. And your learned response behavior will affect your worldview. It matters. Words matter. Actions matter. What we decide matters. And right now, today, we are seeing people destroying their lives while mom and dad are helping them because they've grown up with no rudder. There's no anchor in their life or in their world. Today, we have a learned response behavior of do what makes you happy. If it feels good, do it. He who dies with the most toys wins. And when crisis hits, you are going to reach for whiskey, Jim Beam, Jack Daniels, cocaine, or you're going to reach for your Bible. Which one will it be? God intervenes in American history. Our astronauts made it home. Those guys put a remarkable group of bunch of parts and pieces together. They jump-started the batteries. They were able to get the system going enough to point that module toward Earth. And they wound up landing what was supposed to be in the midst of a hurricane off the coast of Hawaii. And President Nixon made sure that he was there to greet them. And there's a cover on Time Magazine. Look it up. The three astronauts are on solid terra firma, right? And all three of their heads are hanging down in prayer and thanks to God. It's on the cover of Time magazine. God came through. God answers prayer. You should have hope. This Jack Hibbs podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.